Most teams are preparing for the 2023 regular season. The Arizona Cardinals preparing for 2024. Stockpiling more picks. Now, they did make a move aimed at bolstering themselves this year, or at least getting through the games with enough competent quarterbacks, acquiring Josh Dobbs from the Cleveland Browns for a fifth round pick. They sent Dobbs and a, or they get Dobbs and a seven. They sent a five to Cleveland. They also traded Isaiah Simmons to the Giants for a seventh round pick. That's not a typo. Traded tackle Josh Jones to the Texans for a fifth round pick. They also sent a seven. I love how teams like they, it's like adding the little grains of sand to the scale to get it just right. A five and you get a seven back. We get a six and we get a three and it's a two and it's a four. Just do the trade for crying out loud like they did in the old days. We didn't have all these multiple picks that gave us headaches. But, but, okay. I'll get off your lawn. This is the way you tank. This is the way you tank. I mean, plenty of tanking happens in the NFL. And they call it all sorts of things. Your Browns at one point had this four-year plan. And the factors in the plan, including, included, excuse me, giving incentives to members of the coaching staff and the front office for stockpiling draft picks stockpiling cap space, things that had nothing to do with winning in any given year. And the NFL endorsed it when Hugh Jackson filed an arbitration claim saying, hey, they did all this stuff and then they made me the scapegoat. They make me look like I don't know how to coach. They're they're setting things up so we're not going to be any good. I say all that because the Cardinals are setting things up so they won't be any good because they're they're sufficiently self-aware to know they can't compete this year. Not with Kyler Murray's health in question. They don't know when he's going to come back. Colt McCoy, they don't know how healthy he's going to be. Josh Dobbs may get pressed into service sooner rather than later. It may be like it was for him last year. He gets plucked off the Lions practice squad, and he's starting a primetime game. The only good news is I don't think the Cardinals have any primetime games this year. So this is... Not surprising. We saw it happen back at the draft. They gave up the third overall pick. They traded down, and they picked up a first-round pick next year. Hey, next year is the year they're really going to try to turn the team around or at least begin the process of doing so. They have waved the white flag on this year, and they did it months ago. So yesterday isn't something new. Yesterday is just the next data point. And the only thing that pushes back against it is they went out and got Josh Dobbs because they – they fear that they don't have enough competent quarterbacks to at least create the impression that they're trying to stay within 20 points of the opposition. Yeah, I mean, when you're trading your top two picks uh, of a draft that was just a few years ago in Simmons and and then in Josh Jones, I mean, that is something where you're just kind of like, whoa, what's kind of going on here? But both of those guys have kind of been pushed out of their starting roles. So at a certain point, it's like, well, let's see what we can get back. And just to be clear, no relation between me and Isaiah Simmons, with all due respect, when you're traded for a seventh round pick. But I, I think the most interesting deal there is the one for Josh Dobbs, right? Because he is going to an Arizona Cardinals team that has Drew Petzing as their offensive coordinator. He used to be the quarterback's coach in Cleveland, so there is some familiarity there. He's going to understand the system and all of the knowledge that comes there within. So I don't think it is out of the question at all for Josh Dobbs to be the quarterback who starts the season as QB1 for them. Because we don't know when in the world Kyler Murray is going to be back. You had Jonathan Gannon earlier this week, late last week, whenever it was, not saying that Colt McCoy is the starting quarterback going into the season. So, like you said, they need somebody who is competent to be behind center there and give the offense a chance. 
And at this point, looking at that depth chart, yeah, I think Joshua Dobbs might be the best option, just given the fact that otherwise, who knows what it is that you're going to do. Some of the feedback that I've heard from people around the league about these trades, the Cardinals didn't get nearly enough for these guys. And whether it's they waited until they're pressed right up against the roster cuts and they're thinking about pushing forward without them anyway. Hey, they're not good enough to make the team. Let's send a message. Let's just cut them. Oh, wait, if we're going to do that, let's just get anything we can for them. You know, there's something to be said for figuring that out earlier in the process and trading them maybe before camp even begins, before you even get to the point where you're thinking about cutting them. You get value from another team. But as, as one executive put it, Unless the purpose was to tank, Monty Austin Ford had a historically bad day as a general manager when it comes to trading players yesterday. And I think tanking is part of it, even though they don't call it that. But it's about the return you get. And if you are going to tank, at least get a good return. If you're tanking now to make your team better later, get better picks for later. And so I think there's a way to finesse this where you get a better return on guys where – you know, the general consensus is you look at this and say, what the hell? And then there's the question of, and you can go ahead and reapply your tinfoil hat. Like, was this some sort of a, like, sweetheart deal? Was he trying to help the Texans? Is he trying to help Nick Casario with this? Is he trying to help the Giants as a middle finger to the Eagles after the whole Jonathan Gannon tampering thing? So it just seems odd because you would think that he could have gotten more for both of those guys. But the bottom line is they're off the roster. They pick up some picks, not a ton, not a ton, but they do pick up some picks as they stockpile for the future and a future in which they potentially will be more competitive than they're going to be this year, which I hope is the case for the Cardinals because I don't think they're going to be very competitive at all this year. The Giants got Isaiah Simmons. Brian Dayball, the head coach of the Giants, addressed what it means to the team. Here's some comments from Dayball on his newest player. It's one of the reasons why we, we made the trade. We thought there was some upside there. Um, again, we'll, we'll put him in. We'll, we'll ask him to do probably quite a bit of things just to see, you know, what he takes to. But, um, you know, a guy that's, again, athletic, explosive, has good size. Um, you know, I've seen him do some multiple things. So, again, until we get him here, um, you know, I'll give you a better answer. But certainly happy to have him. And that was specifically regarding the versatility of Simmons, who was lined up at four different positions in his first three seasons. He was the eighth overall pick in 2020. That's one of those moments where you go back and you look at the rest of the draft and the rest of the picks after and say, boy, could have had him, could have had him, could have had him. And that's it's one of the things that drives me crazy about draft. night. everybody's great. Everybody who's picked is going to be great. And I know that we don't want to rain on the parade and take away from the moment that, you know, they've worked so hard go. for. But the reality is half of them that first night, roughly speaking, year over year, average is about 50%. It's just not going to work. And it may not be their fault. It may just be a bad circumstance, bad coaching, bad teammates, bad whatever. Not a place where he's comfortable living. That's why I'm anti-draft. Players should be allowed to pick where they're going to go. They should be allowed, especially quarterbacks. They should be allowed to figure out who's going to be around them, et cetera, et cetera. So – I bring it up anytime I can. Have you not I figured know. that out yet? Yeah. It's one of my pull me. string phrases. There's a snake in my boots. The draft <laughs> is bad for players. All right. 
Yeah. I so, mean, look, uh, Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah the, Simmons getting get this in. Like Isaiah Simmons might go to uh the the New York Giants, work with a guy like Wink Martindale and end up in a much much better situation. And look, we could be sitting here, you know, in December and thinking, "My gosh, how in the world did the Arizona Cardinals let this guy go for just a 7th round pick?" You know, th- that might be the situation we end up in because it's not like he's not done anything in his career. It's like he's never made a play in his life. He has. He's shown potential. And so when you get with a guy like a Wink Martindale who knows how to use different guys and different personnel groupings and all that on defense, then this might be the best thing for him. So we'll see if this trade ends up being something that can really take that Giants defense to the next level. Who knows? It might be or it might not be. I don't know. Josh Dobbs was a fourth-round pick in 2017, the Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson year, and he has been with the Steelers, with the Jaguars, with the Steelers again, with the Browns, with the Lions on the practice squad. He was plucked off of that to start the final two games of the regular season for the Titans last year, then back to the Browns, now traded from your Browns to the Cardinals. And the thing that we haven't mentioned here, for the Browns, you know what this means with Josh Dobbs gone. Now, they brought back Kellen Mond off of waivers. They were waving him yesterday, but they're keeping a third quarterback around, at least for now. Dorian Thompson-Robinson's the backup to Deshaun Watson. That's what this means. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's QB2 as a rookie. Yeah. He's the guy. And he may be... I, it's hard for me to say he may be the future there because Deshaun Watson's on a contract for four more years and every penny is guaranteed. But I guarantee you this, DTR is going to be QB2 for the next four years in Cleveland unless somebody makes them an offer they can't refuse to trade for him. Well, yeah, and that's what happened with Joshua Dobbs yesterday. Reading everything out of Cleveland, specifically Terry Pluto from the Cleveland Plain Dealer, it seemed like after Kevin Stefanski talked yesterday, then things really got going because it was weird. I mean, Kevin Stefanski literally said in his press conference yesterday that Dobbs was the backup quarterback and that Thompson Robinson then is the number three. And then a few hours later, I mean, it was pretty stunning that we hear this trade happens, right? That Joshua Dobbs gets sent to the Arizona Cardinals. But apparently what happened was in that late morning after Kellen Mond, it was announced that Kellen Mond was being waived. Then the Arizona Cardinals reach out and it's like, hey, but um, I mean, like, could we maybe get Dobbs instead? And apparently they made the Browns a good enough offer, which a fifth round pick for a backup quarterback, that's not bad as a, an asset that you pick up in a trade like that, especially if you do have the confidence in Thompson Robinson to be able to step up in an emergency and play. And I think from what they've seen in the meeting rooms and on the field this uh, spring and summer with Thompson Robinson, that's why they have that confidence in him. So that was a real interesting sort of sequence that happened with the Browns there, because I don't think Kevin Stefanski was lying when he got up at the podium and was like, yeah, this is our backup quarterback to Deshaun Watson. We feel really good about the quarterback room and all that. I don't know if Andrew Barry was fielding calls at the same time or what, but you don't announce that you're going to get rid of Kellen Mond like that and say, oh, it was the right time to get rid of him, which is not a direct quote, but it's basically what he said. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, let's pull that back. Actually, never mind. I I think that there were just a lot of things going on behind the scenes there that just ended up happening that Dobbs gets sent to Arizona. But but let's let's put this in the broader context. The Patriots uh-huh. were the trailblazers of this dynamic that has now become commonplace where a team wants to trade a player 
and announces the player is being waived or leaks to one of the information robots that a player is being waived or released. And between then and 4 p.m. Eastern, when the moves become official, they just wait for the phone to ring because maybe someone will call and try to trade for the player, especially if it's a guy who's subject to waivers, somebody with fewer than four years of experience in the NFL because you may not get him because he's going to go through waivers. So I'll give you a seventh-round pick, sixth-round pick, whatever, in order to get the guy. And we've seen that happen over and over again to the point where we, we kind of roll our eyes now when there's a leak at 10 a.m. or an announcement at 10 a.m. that a guy is going to be released or waived. It's like, uh-huh, we know what they're trying to do. They're waiting for a phone call. So now I think we see some of these teams going next level. I thought earlier this week this whole Corey Davis retirement with the Jets is a way for them to squirrel him away onto the reserve retired list while they wait for someone to call about a possible trade for him and let's work something out. And for now, he steps away. He hasn't retired. He's stepped away from football. He's on the reserve retired list. He's not on the roster. We don't have to worry about cutting him next Tuesday. And we can just wait. And maybe at some point somebody gets injured and all of a sudden we can trade Corey Davis. This one, I don't want to give the Browns the credit for figuring it out. But if anybody's going to figure it out, it's going to be a team that actually has a position called, what, chief football strategist or whatever the hell Paul De Podesta's title is. But the idea of, okay, let's see. Hmm. How do we, how do we, how do we get a trademark for Josh Dobbs? Let's tell the world we're releasing Kellen Mond and that Josh Dobbs is our number two and that, see, it sounds stupid just saying it out loud. They're not, it does sound they're not stupid, doesn't enough. it? Yeah. But- just like... Just like the NFL isn't competent enough to rig games, the Browns are not competent enough to pull off that routine, even against a team like the Cardinals. They can't pull it off. It just kind of happened. But, but, now that it's happened, Miles, I guarantee you that there will be people out there, like a Bill Belichick, trying to figure out how I can engineer that at some point in the future and make it happen in a way that advantages me, taking advantage of the circumstances and the situation and leaking the right thing at the right time and getting the result that I would like to get. I don't think the Browns engineered it that way, but they've given us a new avenue, a new level of this well-established trend of pretending you're going to cut a guy or wave a guy and waiting for someone to call and trade for him, which is very I real mean, now to the point where we don't even bat an eye when it happens. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there is a real dynamic there, but I think, you know, the difference is in the evidence that that didn't happen is that they said they were waving Kellen Mond and then they end up trading Josh Dobbs. So it's not that like would it's be next level same player. That would be next level. But yeah, that would be right. next. That's another, what makes it next let me level. Put on another freaking tinfoil hat here. Yeah, it is, it's next level. Like, no, it just is what you, the circumstances are. I don't think <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. But you would have put on the you would have put on the tinfoil hat the first time it ever happened when the Patriots leaked that they were going to cut someone, and before you know it, at the end of the day, he was traded instead. So yes, but they didn't I'm even leak it. They announced the next level. it. They, they announced well, that they the were more, doing it. It's all not the more even reason. That they were all the more. Well, hey. Hey, if it was deliberate, well done, Cleveland Browns. It's the uh-huh. smartest thing you've done since the day you should have ignored the homeless guy who said draft Manziel. All right, let's take a break. Uh, they needed they needed someone to tell the 49ers not to draft Trey Lance two years ago. They did anyway. GM John Lynch weighed in yesterday on the future of the third overall pick from the 2021 draft. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. So I would love if you're able to walk us through what some of those options are, whether it's a trade, a release, or even maybe the possibility that Trey is still on the roster week one for the 49ers. 
I think that's the most likely option. Um, you know, as I said, we're very happy with Trey. Um, that's probably the most likely option is that he's here. Um, if we could find a landing spot for Trey that is, is um, you know, is a really good one for him and, you know, works for our organization, that's not something we'd, we'd turn a blind eye to. But that's not where our focus is right now. John Lentz, GM of the 49ers, a day after Kyle Shanahan was on that same radio station, KNBR, the 49ers flagship, talking about what happened with Trey Lance on Wednesday. He found out he's number three on the depth chart. His reaction suggested that Shanahan's best play was to give him the rest of the day off. Shanahan made it sound like they're going to do whatever Trey Lance wants them to do. Lynch added a little something on there like, what did he say? If it works for us. So we're mm-hmm. going to play a little game of what they said versus what they meant. When John Lynch says the most likely option is that Trey Lance is here, what do you think that actually meant, Miles? I'll give you the first crack at it. I think he's playing the same game he did with Jimmy Garoppolo. And we saw how that kind of ended up, right? They were very consistent in saying that we're not just going to give Jimmy Garoppolo away. And they didn't. And it turns out they were right not to, you know, as we look at everything that happened in the 2022 season for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, of course, Brock Purdy ends up coming in and being that dude for them that gets them to the NFC championship game. But Jimmy Garoppolo started most of the game. So it behooved the 49ers to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around when they didn't get what they thought was commiserate value for Jimmy Garoppolo's services. So I think they're probably going to do the same thing with Trey Lance. Look, we know that the 49ers go through quarterbacks like some teams go through socks. I mean, it just kind of happens this way where guys get hurt. Other guys have to come in and play. So it makes sense to have a guy who is familiar with the playbook and can stay around just so that in an emergency, he can be there and he can play. I mean, I I think that makes sense. But if somebody's going to say, all right, we'll give you, I don't know, a third round pick, fourth round pick, whatever it happens to be. However, the 49ers value Trey Lance, then yeah, they'll they'll make a deal in that way. But it's not just going to be for nothing. And I think that that makes sense for the 49ers. You, You drafted this guy, man, and you traded all those picks to go up and get him at number three. Despite the fact that you're still winning, you still want some sort of value for the quarterback that you went up and drafted at third overall. Well, and that's why I sat here yesterday and said the things coming out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth are troubling to the extent that he's creating the impression they're going to do whatever Trey Lance wants them to do. That's not Mm -hmm. the case. They're not going to do whatever Trey Lance wants them to do. No No team does that. Teams don't do that. They're not in the business of making moves that are bad for them just to be nice to a guy that everybody really likes. I think Kyle Shanahan was tempted to sound charitable and flexible because he's got a problem now with Trey Lance, who's pissed off. And I think what they need Trey Lance to do is to come to the conclusion on his own that at this stage of the calendar, he's better off staying where he is as QB3 than going somewhere else and being QB3 and uprooting your life. And you don't know the coaches, and you don't know the players, and you don't know the playbook. And you're not going to play anyway this year, so let's get through this year. And maybe there's a a way that, that I end up being on the field because it happened last year. Now the difference between Garoppolo and Lance is this Garoppolo was the backup to an unproven guy. They love mm-hmm. Purdy. They love Darnold. They love Brandon Allen. I think, I think the, 
the tinfoil hat on this one quite possibly is Lance's QB4. If you attach Kyle Shanahan to to uh, the you know the the lie detector test, there's a chance Brandon Allen is ahead of Trey Lance in Kyle Shanahan's mind. So that, that's what makes it interesting over the next couple of days. What are they going to yeah. do when it's time to cut the rosters? Because at one point, Miles Kyle Shanahan said to Mike Silver of the San Francisco Chronicle he might carry four quarterbacks on the 53-man roster, and then Shanahan was asked about it a couple of days later, and he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. If they don't find a trade partner, what are they going to do? They're going to cut Brandon Allen? Now, Brandon Allen can't be claimed on waivers. He's a vested veteran, so they could, exactly. they could work out a deal with him where he just goes and sits in a corner and waits for a chance to come back. But if they would waive Trey Lance, somebody else could grab him, and his salary this year is $950,000. Which is nothing. Well, look, it's nothing. Yeah, well, for a quarterback, yeah, it, it's it, nothing. It, right. It, it, look, Brandon Allen is somebody that the Cincinnati Bengals have had for years. And look, we we don't really know what the hell's going on with Joe Burrow and his calf. So that's got to be in the back of your mind. If you really like Brandon Allen, then you know if Cincinnati is like, oh, we kind of like this guy more than our current backup options, and Joe Burrow might not be ready for the season. I don't know. Again, Zach Taylor has not said anything aside from several weeks, and oh, he looks as good as he's ever looked. So whatever that means, but I think that that's a factor there. I mean, look, the whole Trey Lance thing is so interesting to me. I mean, like. I think the the 49ers, yeah, they got the draft evaluation probably wrong on Trey Lance. However, we don't know what Trey Lance would have ended up as had he started the entire 2022 season for the 49ers. Maybe he would have developed. Maybe he wouldn't have. But it's just the circumstances now dictate that, like, man, we've got Brock Purdy. We saw what he could do last year. We believe in him. We've got a backup that has a lot of starting experience and we believe that he can come in and he's not going to lose a game for us. That's why when you brought up Trey Lance and the Eagles earlier, like I, he doesn't have enough playing experience for me to feel comfortable with him as a backup to Jalen Hurts, where he's coming in and playing in an emergency. Uh, that I don't think that that makes much sense. He's got to be in a place where he can legitimately develop. And part of the problem is, and this is one of the things that the Colts are doing with Anthony Richardson, right? They're playing him and they can play him, but the Colts aren't in the win now situation. Trey Lance needs to play somewhere. I don't know where that would be. And that's just kind of the problem with where he is in his development. I mean, it's just, it's an unfortunate situation, but San Francisco's got Super Bowl aspirations and they can't really be concerned with the feelings of what Trey Lance has at a certain point, if that's going to cost you winning football games. Well, right. That's why Kyle Shanahan shouldn't have created the impression they're going to do whatever Trey Lance wants. Because yes. they're not. You're right. They'll do what Trey Lance wants if it coincides with what they want. And that's what every team does. That's one of the cruel yes. realities of football. They hold your contractual rights. They're not going to do you any favors. They're not going to do something for you because they like you, especially if you've never done anything for them on the football field. And if you are the personification of one of the biggest mistakes that anyone has ever made as it relates to the draft, you know, people give me a hard time. Oh, you don't criticize the 49ers enough for what they did. Well, it's kind of obvious. I mean, like, you know, if a, if a guy falls in a white linen suit into a mud puddle, when he gets out of the puddle covered in mud, do you really need to point to it and say, that guy's got mud all over him? Everybody but knows they screwed this up. 
They got desperate. Yes. They did something rash. They did something impulsive. And they did something short-sighted without understanding how the dynamics work. You go out and you trade up. You put all your eggs in a basket that you go put on the shelf for a year. You don't do that in today's NFL. You play him. And if you're not going to play him, don't tra- don't move up to get him. Stay at 12 and see how the board plays out. The guy comes through the door with less pressure on him. There's been so much pressure on Trey Lance. I feel bad for him. I want him to have a fresh start. He deserves a fresh start. He's never had a chance to thrive. He's had everything lined up against him from the moment they traded up and decided to pivot from Mac Jones to Trey Lance. I mean, yes, but I mean, here's the other part of why it's like, well, you don't criticize 49ers for this because you don't get awards or trophies for drafting well. You get trophies for winning the damn Super Bowl. And look, the 49ers have been closer to winning the Super Bowl than most teams over the last four years. Now, have they done it? No, of course. But when you're if in back-to-back NFC championship games, I know. But when you're in back-to-back NFC championship games, and frankly, they did have a quarterback last year when they went into that game. They just It just so happened that he got hurt. And so we will never know what happens if Brock Purdy does not suffer the elbow injury early on in that game. We just won't. But that's why it's hard for me to be like, oh, my gosh, the 49ers are awful. Like, no, the bleep, they're not. They were in the NFC championship game in each of the last two years. But what I mean, what are we doing here? Are we trying to hand out trophies for drafts? No, but are it's we still one of the worst, but it's for- still. But Miles, I, know, I, know I don't care bad. that they're good. It makes it more bad. glaring. What do you mean it you makes don't care it- that it's good? Hang on good. a second. Hang what on the hell a second. are you talking about? Hang you on don't a care that they're good. <laughs> Well, you interrupted me. Can you let me finish? May I finish? May I finish? No, because you didn't let me finish. finish. Now you can go. That's all right. I apologized. All right. I don't care that that they're good as it relates to the question of whether or not they blew the pick. If anything, the fact that they're good makes the mistake worse. Why are you doing that? Why are you acting like some some slappy team that just has to make some big move. Hey, we don't know what to do to get better. Let's go trade from 12 to 3, even though we don't know who we're going to take when we get up there because we stink and we want to be good. They're already good. They got desperate. They freaked out. I still believe Kyle Shanahan saw Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, he refused to scout because he thought he was signing Kirk Cousins in 2018, so he didn't even look at Patrick Mahomes in 2017. He saw him against Tom Brady. The guy that they said no thank you to when he said, I'd like to come play for my hometown team and really complete this storybook career of mine by, by winning a Super Bowl for you. They told him politely, get off our, our stoop. No thank you. We're going to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to stick with that mf'er, as Tom Brady once said, although he still hasn't said it's Garoppolo. After he sees those two guys in the Super Bowl, he just he said, we got to do something. We got to do something. We got to do something. And they did it. And they didn't need to do it. They didn't need to do it. They didn't need to give up three first-round picks. Imagine what they could have done with those extra first-round picks. We don't know what players they could have become. They could be even better now. They could be far better. They could have sat there at 12 and gotten Trey Lance and kept the two first-round picks and a third-round pick. So, I, it's But then they may not have drafted Brock it, Purdy. I mean, all these circumstances well, add up to what – you know, you, we're all a product of everything that's ever happened to us, right? So – if the 49ers don't do that, then would they have gotten Brock Purdy? I don't know. Would Jimmy Garoppolo maybe, still be maybe. there? I don't know. 
We don't know. We will never know. So, I mean, I just, I understand the draft failure part. But again, this game is about wins and losses. It's, you don't get trophies for drafting well. So I don't care. I, I, mean, I get that. You've established that. I'll stipulate that they don't give you trophies for drafting well. That's not don't. the point, Miles. The point is, this is a team that is on the elite level of the NFL. And they acted like they can't find their way out of a paper bag over this quarterback situation. And they made things harder for them to win Super Bowls. And we can say we don't know what piece they were we're going to get here, there, or whatever. They did not need to give up three first-round picks and a third-round pick for a quarterback in that cycle. They overreacted to the fact that they blew it with Patrick Mahomes, they blew it with Tom Brady, and Kyle Shanahan had a human moment where he gave into his own frustration with himself for blowing it as to Patrick Mahomes and blowing it as to Tom Brady. So we're not going to blow it this time. We're going to control our destiny. We're going to give up these picks. We're going to get in position. We're going to get my quarterback. And that's what he did, and it blew up in his face. And the biggest saving grace is one year later, when they closed their eyes and threw a dart with the last pick in the draft, they got their long-term quarterback. That's what saves them from a lot of the Absolutely. criticism. They got yes. Brock Purdy with the last pick in the draft. Without that, without that, they're going to get it a lot worse. But they still deserve it because they squandered in the process the ability to control the rights for four years or five years if you pick up the option of two guys – who could be contributing to that team right now, and a third-rounder who could be contributing to that team right now. And we don't know who, and we don't know how, but when you look at the team they've built, chances are those guys would be contributors to this team, making it even better than it currently is. And they don't have those guys because they freaked out, and they traded up, and someone convinced Kyle Shanahan to move from Mac Jones to Trey Lance because they traded up, people informed, believe to get Mac Jones. So it's just amazing that a team that is that good is making such stupid decisions at the most important position on the field. All right. Do we have time for one more of these? Let's do one more. You got something more to say? You got something more to say? I'll give you, I'll give you a final word. Thank you. Go ahead. Well, because you kept interrupting me. But look again, we don't know what Trey Lance would have developed into last year. Trey Lance got hurt. We will never know. Again, it's circumstances that have made this a terrible decision, and I agree that it was a really terrible decision. But at the end of the day, we still think of the 49ers as a Super Bowl contender, and I think most people would be surprised if they are not in the at least in the NFC Championship game again this year, and that is the ultimate point in this NFL business. I know, I know, Miles. This is quickly becoming a red state, blue state thing where there's no way we're going to agree on this. I don't know why you don't understand that the fact that they're a great team isn't the excuse. I, I, I don't, again, it doesn't matter to me that they're a great team. They would be even greater if they hadn't f- messed up <laughs> this Trey Lance move. They would be even greater if they hadn't done that. The fact that they are that. so good we just makes don't know it that. more... Oh, but come on. But, Miles, everything that has made them a great team, right, it's all come from they do a great job drafting and developing talent. So They do. They take three first-round picks. They take a third-round pick, and they trade those in for one guy that has been an abject and total failure, not due to his own inabilities. It's just been the circumstances. It's not him, and I hope he flourishes somewhere else. But three ones and a three for a guy – that has done nothing. Those picks, if devoted elsewhere, 
would make the 49ers, I think we can assume, better than whatever they are right now. They can't be worse it, than they are right now. Also, but that also They're going to be only the better than they are the right now. quarterback room, and then they don't are, and they aren't don't, able don't, don't, to I, go I, out I, and get somebody like Hargrave. And that's what they do with their defensive line, and they continue to make that better. So, I mean, I, that, that's where I, like, I understand what that's too many. That's too many moves. That's too many moves off the board. You're, you're, there's you're playing already, like there's already, universe there's game with me here. Effect. There's always a butterfly effect. All right, well, yeah, we can go to the next. But here's game. the here's the here's the simplest here's the simplest point. Okay, they gave up way too much for a guy who's done nothing, and it hasn't worked. And yes, you're gonna On have tension in the organization. You're gonna have tension in the organization now because you got Kyle Shanahan writing a check that John Lynch doesn't necessarily want to honor, and. I think if it ends up on the boss's desk, the boss is going to side with John Lynch. We're just not giving this guy away. We're not giving this guy away. I don't care. that. Oh, he's unhappy? So what? So what? He got paid. The check's all cleared, right? We exercised our rights under the CBA to draft him. This is the way football works. It's an honor and a privilege to be drafted, even if two years after the fact, you wish that the team that drafted you never did. Let's go ahead and take a break. Oh, actually, we're going to get we got one more since we said we're going to do this. What they said versus what they mean. It can't just be one topic. Here's the second topic. C.J. Stroud yesterday on not being named the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans said now everybody knows he's going to be the starter. Everybody knows he's going to be week one starter. But D'Amico Ryans, for whatever reason, won't name him the week one starter. He said, I ain't tripping. Just do what's on my plate. I'm not worried about anybody else's plate. I got to focus on what we've got going on in this locker room and just getting better every day. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about competing every day. And cliche, 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 cliche. Chat GPT. Okay. I mean, why does he need to say anything? I I wish he would have said. He was asked. I know. I know. But all he's got to say is. I'm I'm trying to to make the show entertaining, Miles. I don't want to be literal about everything. My point is. Everybody knows he's going to be the starter. Everybody knows he's the starter. That's what's so ridiculous about this. The fact that he even had to be asked the question is ridiculous. I mean, so all CJ Stroud had to say is, talk to the coach about that. Or, I mean, I, I, I like a little moxie from a young quarterback. Like, he hasn't named me the starter, but come on, look around. I mean, they, they may be well, the second oh, overall pick in the draft. Go well. I've started every preseason game. Sometimes it does go well. Sometimes if you say it the right way, sometimes it does go well. It earns you a little it earns you a little credibility in the locker room. If you start acting like the guy, everybody wants the quarterback to be the sheriff. The sooner you start acting like the sheriff, the better. So I guess my point is this is a bad situation, unnecessarily created. I want to give D'Amico Ryan's a benefit of the doubt. I'm sure he has a reason for this. I don't know what it is. It makes no sense. There's no reason to not just go ahead and say C.J. Stroud is your starting quarterback for week one. He started every preseason game. He's the second overall pick in the draft. Your option otherwise is Davis Mills, for crying out loud. All due respect to Davis Mills. The whole thing is weird. The fact that he even had to address this, it's just weird. It's weird to me. Is it not weird to you? Well, I, I think it's weird, and I think it's one of those things where I, I like to call it majoring in the minor. I mean, you know, when we all know what the circumstance is going to be and we all know what the outcome is going to be, why not just say the outcome? I don't really know. But, I mean, listening to D'Amico Ryan's the last few days and the last few weeks it, since they've been in training camp, it's clear that he just doesn't want to do that. That's not his operational philosophy. And so when you have the quarterback goes out and he says, yeah, I'm not worried about that, it is what it is. 
right? That probably is a good thing to D'Amico Ryans because it means that the quarterback says he's not worried about stuff that he can't control and he's only worried about getting better. And that's probably the kind of mentality that they, they, they do that. Ugh, easy for me to say. Man, that's yes. kind of the mentality that they want to instill in C.J. Stroud, probably. So it is what it is. We know he's going to be the first quarterback out there when they go and play Baltimore on September 10th. There's no doubt about that. But it just, for whatever reason, D'Amico Ryans doesn't want to name him the starter. It, that, that, so there's only one thing he can do is just go out there and say, no, I, I'm not worried about it. It is what it is. Now, I've had a little bit of an epiphany here while you were discussing that. There is a reason need to get we my assume hat again. for D'Amico Ryans. Oh, wait. Oh, oh wait. If you're going to complain about if you're going to complain about me interrupting you, you better not interrupt me. Can I finish now? <laughs> okay. So, if D'Amico Ryans has a reason for doing what he's doing, we give him uh-huh. the benefit of the doubt. He's got a reason for it. If the reason is, I think this is the only way that the quarterback is going to respond the way that I need him to, that kind of troubles me a little bit. Hmm. That, that you can't, like, what's, what's going on here with C.J. Stroud that you feel like you need to withhold that title? And, and it may all work out in the end. It's just, I, you know, Anthony Richardson is handling being told he's the week one starter. I don't know that they've named Bryce Young the week one starter, but everybody knows they're going to start him week one. I mean, yes. come on. So I, it's just, it, it, it don't even need to address it. The whole, the whole thing is a weird topic because we know it's going to be C.J. Stroud. But if there's something that D'Amico Ryans thinks he needs to do to humble or to keep his quarterback humble, to not put the cart in front of the horse or whatever cliche you want to use. It's just, that's curious to me. All right, let's take a break. How real is the Miami Dolphins' interest in Jonathan Taylor? We'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel on that and more when PFT Live continues right after this. Here's the thing with the, with, with reports. Um, first of all, uh, you know, I think my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter just tweeted a report. Credence to that. I mean, how how many times do I have to explain, like, Chris Greer's job is to work. He works at it a lot um, and keeps me abreast when they're real. Generally, when things are, are real, um, I don't have questions about them. Mike McDaniel, why use only two words when you can use 300? <laughs> I, mean, I love the guy. But I, and I understand that coaches have to, from time to time, downplay reports about their teams. And there's something that, that bugs me about it because it's not like people are pulling these things out of thin air. There's enough smoke out there to suggest that the Dolphins are indeed talking to the Colts about Jonathan Taylor. They were trying to get Dalvin Cook. They supposedly made a phone call about Josh Jacobs. They've been looking to add a high-end running back, and now they're currently reportedly talking to the Colts. And Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, who covers that team, someone in that building is telling him what's going on with the Colts and the Dolphins. And as of last night, they were still talking. The Dolphins had made an offer. The Colts had rejected it, but they continue to talk. I don't know where it's going to go, though. And I feel like the Dolphins are willing to get Jonathan Taylor or some other high-end running back for whatever they want to pay, either the player or the team. And if they can get him on their terms, fine. But, you know, the question becomes, how high will they go to try to get this guy? But they seem to be, and I had someone explain to me yesterday, it's going to be 
the Dolphins or Jonathan Taylor staying put? That that's the team, and the deadline is Tuesday, and and we'll find out. But Mike McDaniel can say whatever he wants to say, and he's got a team, he's got a locker room, he doesn't want to disrupt unnecessarily. But you know, it could be Jonathan Taylor is in, and who knows? Maybe Raheem Mostert goes to Indianapolis as part of that trade, or some other running back. You've got a surplus already of really good running backs, and the Colts would need one to replace Jonathan Taylor. That may be part of this move, where one of the guys currently on the roster ends up going to Indianapolis to be the Jonathan Taylor replacement there. Yeah, that's what I like about Miami's stance, I guess, is that they want this running back on their terms, right? So it's not going to be something where they're going to overpay exorbitantly and then you're going to be in a weird situation where it's like, well, why did we do this? You know, I I just, I continue to think that this is not the right time for Jonathan Taylor deal. It, it, even if I'm the Dolphins and, you know, I know it's this and it's that, but Jonathan Taylor is at least apparently, according to the Colts, and Shane Steichen said this earlier this week, he is not medically cleared. And we know that at least when it comes to the roster, he's still on the physically unable to perform list. So in my mind, if I'm constructing a team and I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a premium talent, I want to make sure that that talent is very healthy and still able to play at the level that we expect him to play. And unfortunately, we don't really know where that is right now with Jonathan Taylor because he's not been on the field. And the last time we saw him, he was not playing at at 100% healthiness, which nobody really does, but his ankle was very, very much impacting him. So especially when it's that running back position and it's that ankle that it affects you, I would want to know, is Jonathan Taylor really healthy? And yes, there's going to be a physical if they would execute a trade and all that. But that's one of the things that would bear heavy on my mind is if I'm going to bring this guy into my building and potentially pay him a bleep ton of money because that's what he wants, then that's something that we really got to be sure of. And so that's why the Christian McCaffrey deal to me was really different for the 49ers last year. And I know there were a couple other teams that wanted to acquire him. But we'd seen Christian McCaffrey do the things that Christian McCaffrey does well. And he's coming off injuries, but he was healthy last year. He played very well. And then he gets traded midseason. In some ways, that would make more sense to me for a Jonathan Taylor deal. If he's out there and he doesn't want to come back or whatever it is, and we know that he's healthy and we know he's playing well, then maybe the Colts could get something for him at that point and he could go to a place where he really wants to be. But it's just... It's not a good time for this right now in my mind. Well, no, March was the time to do it. We said that from the get-go. There's too many moving parts. You're going to give the Colts something. You're going to pay Jonathan Taylor unless he's content to have his contract transferred as is, but it puts the team that acquires him in a spot then because they got it for $4.3 million this year. They got to do the franchise tag dance next year or sign into a long-term deal. You'd like to have that settled on the way through the door. It just makes life easier for everybody. And then you got to turn around and use them. you got to justify your investment, and everything is moving toward week one. What are you going to do, make this big trade and, and not use him for the first month of the season while he gets himself in shape? Now, as it relates to the ankle, the possibility that this is all a hold-in is real, mm-hmm. and especially when you get the president of the union advocating for running backs that they fake injuries in order to build leverage which is asinine but maybe somebody listened to him and maybe the dolphins have some inside information that he's really fine and that he could practice and play right now now you take the leap of faith maybe you're wrong maybe they're lying to you but that's all part of this it's a lot to happen in a compressed time frame my theory continues to be the colts authorized him 
to shop himself because they knew he wasn't going to get the kind of offer that he wanted. It reminds me a lot of what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson, why they went non-exclusive franchise tag. Give him the chance to see what's out there because you're going to find out that what's out there isn't what he thinks it should be. And then maybe, maybe as he comes to terms with that, he realizes his best move is to stay here. I think that's what they're hoping. I think that's why the Tuesday deadline's in place. And I keep going back to you got one of the best running backs in football available, 31 teams out there, and fewer than 20% of them picked up the phone to even call and inquire. Didn't even make the exploratory call. And we know those calls get made all the time about every player that you can imagine, guys that are on the market, guys that aren't on the market, guys that have no – remember the the commanders called every team in the league looking for quarterbacks the year that they ended up with Carson Wentz. And so the fact that only six teams called – that just tells you where this is going. Two teams interested. Mm-hmm. Now, Barry Jackson mentioned the Broncos and Bears on top of the Dolphins, but only two teams made real offers. And if they were real offers, if they were real good offers, they would have been taken. I just feel like this thing, unless Jonathan Taylor is hell-bent on not being there, and unless the Colts are applying the Mike Tomlin, we want volunteers, not hostages, and we're just going to take what we can get. Unless those two things are true, that's too much to expect to happen by Tuesday. Yes, I, I would agree. Uh, you know, I mean, you pointed to the Lamar Jackson situation. I'd point to another running back that, you know, plays out here in Austin Eckler, right? This is exactly what the Chargers did earlier this offseason, where it's like, okay, you can go and explore a trade. We're granting you permission, but you might find out that there's nobody else really that will, will give you the kind of contract that you're seeking. And so he ends up back with the Chargers and they give him $1.25 million in incentives. It's not even something that he's already guaranteed, right? So it's this interesting dynamic that we have right now with running backs. And to me, I'm not that shocked that not that many folks are inquiring about a Jonathan Taylor who, like I said, the last time we saw him was not healthy running the football, right? It, by all, by the standard of what Shane Steichen says, if we take him at face value, he's not healthy because he's not cleared. He's not off pup. So he just based on the way the rosters are right now, like that's, I, I, it, that doesn't shock me, you know, J- just that this running back that is really, really good is not necessarily making people want to fall over themselves to get him at this point in the NFL calendar. Bottom line is this. We got to take a break. If you're a great running back after your third season, that's when you bring it to a head in the off season. hundred percent. You either get your contract or you demand a trade. And if that doesn't work, you hold out of training camp. Don't show up, hold out, stay away. And that forces the issue. And force it early in training camp, not two weeks before the start of the regular season when it's difficult for everyone involved to try to work it out. All right, quick break. Some receiver injury updates when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, a couple of receivers in the news because they have injuries that may not be resolved by the time week one rolls around. Broncos receiver Jerry Judy suffered a hamstring injury in practice yesterday, carted off after he went down during joint sessions with the Rams. MRI, regardless, the expectation he will miss several weeks. And the thing about the hamstring, you got to give it time to heal because if you don't, it's going to keep getting worse. It's going to keep coming back, and you're going to be dealing with it all year long. You're going to be dealing with it until you sit down for four to five weeks and let it fully heal. I'm not saying he's going to be out four to five weeks, but several weeks, several weeks. Where did we hear that before this offseason? Joe Burrow, several weeks. We don't know what several means, but it's probably a month before we see. If I had to guess, 
I would say it's going to be a month before we see Jerry Judy at the earliest. Well, yeah, Mike, it, it was special when you're talking about wide receivers in that hamstring. It, it becomes that much more critically important for those guys to make sure that the hamstring is rested and healed. Because if you don't have the explosion that you need from that hamstring, especially when you're coming off the line, when you're trying to make your cuts, when you're trying to make your breaks, you're trying to go up and catch the ball then you can't be effective out there. So this is unfortunate for that Broncos offense. I mean, if I'm Russell Wilson, it's kind of like, man, everybody keeps going down here. Fortunately, they do still have Cortland Sutton. And also, fortunately, they've got Sean Payton designing the plays and calling the offense. Because if we, we, we know that Sean Payton can take guys and make names out of guys you never would have expected. So that's something that at least is a silver lining for Denver. As we get closer to Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern, when the teams have to drop from 90 players to 53, I'm watching that potential pipeline from New Orleans to Denver. If there's some Mm -hmm. guys that may not make it with the Saints that Sean Payton has fingerprints on them as it relates to bringing them in and developing them, maybe there's a guy or two that they throw you know, a late-round pick in 25 or something. If the guy's getting cut anyway, maybe Payton brings him with him to Denver, especially now that he's got this need at the receiver position. Terry McLaurin, Monday night, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be unfairly critical of uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, but I did think it was odd when we got the news during the broadcast that Terry McLaurin's x-rays were negative on his toe, that they just were like, oh, well, that's great, he's fine. Well, it's only half the story. You got ligaments in there, too. Plenty of times a guy's x-rays are negative, and he's still gone for a while. The x-rays don't show the injury to the ligament. He's got turf toe. He's got a ligament strain in his big toe, and he may not be ready for week one. You see it there happening on the left foot as he's going down in the Monday night game against the Ravens. So just because the x-rays were negative, now obviously it would have been very negative for the commanders if they were positive, but but we may not see him as they get off to a start that, you know, they got some they got a winnable game week one against the Cardinals and they may not have yes. Terry McLaurin for it. It's all up in the air. So, you know, it's uh, who knows, who knows? And uh, maybe they'll be fine without him. They got plenty of other weapons and Sam Howell, you know, distributing it around to the guys who are there. Deami Brown may have a uh, new life to his career now that he's reunited with Howell. But if you don't have Terry McLaurin, that's going to affect your team week one and however long he misses after that. No doubt. I mean, look, that's their number one receiver, and he's their number one receiver for a reason. Extremely talented, and one of those guys that seem really poised for, I don't want to call it a breakout year, because if you don't know who Terry McLaurin is, that's kind of on you at this point, but it's not like the commanders have been playing you know, wonderful football since he's been there, so... This is one of those guys where if you're Sam Howell, you're getting out there and you're like, man, oh man, I don't have my top receiver as I'm trying to really take these steps in my career and solidify myself as a starting quarterback. Hopefully he's back sooner than later and that toe heals up pretty quick. But that's something where, again, if you're a receiver and you've got a cut, right, you've got to make sure you're coming out your breaks. If that thing hits in the wrong spot or your toe hits the ground in the wrong spot, it can be very, very, very painful and it can be a lingering thing. So hopefully McLaurin will rest, heal up and get that toe right sooner than later, because he is certainly a huge part of that Washington offense. Yeah. He's a high end receiver that really doesn't get noticed because he's playing for a team without a great offense. They're not in a bunch of big games and they haven't had the quarterback to really get him the ball the extent to which he deserves to have it, and he still has an impact, even under those circumstances, 
for the Washington Commanders. All right, let's take a break. Week three, show me something draft for the preseason. This is going to be hard, too, because I don't know which starters are playing and what starters aren't playing, but I've done my best to research on the fly, and we'll make something akin to chicken salad when PFT Live continues right after this. Friday edition of PFT Live, and as we begin week three of the preseason, the final week of the games that don't count, we still recognize that there are some performances that will count, especially as they begin to count down from 90 to 53. For the backups out there, this may be the last time they ever play. This is their last chance to make a statement. So show me something, week three, and just by way of explanation for those of you who may have discovered the show recently, our condolences, by the way, but uh, it doesn't mean that somebody's under pressure. It doesn't mean anything bad. It can be anything we want it to be. It can be we're excited to see the player. It's not just, oh, you're in trouble if you don't get this done. We just want to see it. We want them to show us something. Ergo, the name of the draft. Miles, you're up. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, Show me something Carolina Panthers pass protection. Because the first couple of times that Bryce Young has been out there, not much has really happened. But what they haven't really been able to do is protect him well. You know, so to me, this last preseason game, if you're going to play starters, it's all about vibes. You know, you don't necessarily need to see touchdowns and, you know, so many first downs. And, you know, you want him to play the whole first half or that, that, that. Like, no, you just... You want to get the right vibe going into the regular season. And I think given that we've only seen Bryce Young you know, throw 12 passes, he's 7 to 12, 56 yards in two games. He's been sacked twice. He's been hit more than that. And every time he takes a hit, I mean, just based on the size, you're kind of like, Ugh. you just want to see that pass protection perform a little bit better. So that's what I am looking for them to show me against the Lions this weekend. Mike, what's your pick? Well, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. Their starters will be playing in Chicago for the preseason finale. I want to see something more from the Bills starters because what I've seen so far, the highlights, the lowlights, the portions of the games I've actually watched, there's something still not right with this team. There was that ungainly play last week from Josh Allen where he was kind of running around not looking like Josh Allen and he was exposed to potential hits. It was against the Steelers in that preseason game and Look, they got they got a lot of competition. They got a difficult schedule. The Dolphins may be better than they are on paper. Sims and I were talking about this the other day, that if we went position by position and we were doing the checkbox for each one, the Dolphins are a better team right now on paper. And and Sean McDermott's running the defense after Leslie Frazier was the scapegoat last year. And there's just a weird vibe around this team. And I know they got the big image of the Lombardi Trophy hanging in their indoor, indoor facility. I don't know if that's enough to manifest the thing they've been able to get when they've been better, when they've seemed better than they are now. They feel like they're in decline. Let's see them start to turn it around, and let's see what those starters can do this weekend. Oh, Mike, that was my second pick, and I totally agree with you. Look, Sean McDermott was very critical of the first-team offense last week and basically saying that that performance wasn't nearly good enough. So, yeah, talk about needing a good vibe heading into the regular season. Buffalo absolutely needs that. Um, But I'm going to stay in the AFC East for my second pick here. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers because it's not really that he needs to prove to us anything, but this is going to be the first time that we see him in a Jets uniform playing Jets football at MetLife Stadium. Now, it's a Giants home game this weekend, but 
it's still, it's going to be kind of a momentous occasion. We've never seen Aaron Rodgers play for anybody but the Green Bay Packers. So because it's the first time that we've ever seen him do something else, I want to see a little something, you know, give me a couple passes to Garrett Wilson, fire one to Randall Cobb. Let's get it to Alan Lazard. Like, you know, let's get this thing going a little bit and and let's have some fun out there and then get off the field and get ready for the regular season when they open it up against those Buffalo Bills. But yeah, show me something, Aaron Rodgers. And above all else, don't get yourself injured. Don't get hit. Don't strain a calf. Don't break a hip. Be, you know, be cognizant of the fact that you're not a spring chicken anymore, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, uh, before we take a break, my pick in round two, I'm going to go with the guy that's replacing Aaron Rodgers. And this isn't a negative thing. I'm excited to see what Jordan Love can do. We talked earlier about the importance of modulating your throws when you got a strong arm. He throws it in there when he needs to. He floats it when he needs to. He had that beautiful touchdown pass against the Bengals in the first week of the preseason. Dropped it right in for a touchdown. He had one last week where he zoomed right in. I mean, so I want to see more from Jordan Love just because I want people to get off his back. He's another one like Trey Lance who got drafted who got stuck in a bad situation. He got stuck on the bench for three years behind Aaron Rodgers. He was caught in the middle of all that dysfunction between Rodgers and the front office. And now he's getting his chance. And so far, he's looked pretty good. And I think there's reason to be optimistic about what the Packers can do this year. In a wide-open division, everybody's handing it to the Lions. That could be a mistake. And, ooh, we get a Thursday night game early on between the Lions and the Packers, and it could be a good one. And that could be the night that we say, after seeing what may happen to the Lions... 13 days from now when they go to Kansas City, when they play on Thursday night a couple of weeks after that, we may say the Lions weren't ready for all this pressure that we put upon them. Jordan Love's going to have a lot to do with that. Let's take a break. We'll do one more round of the Show Me Something draft when PFT Live concludes right after this. All right, show me something draft for week three of the preseason. We have two picks down, one more to go. Miles, you are up. All right, I'll go to my hometown, Cleveland Browns, and let's say show me something to Sean Watson. I mean, he got on the field a couple weeks ago, completed three passes, let a drive that almost scored, but then the Browns got very close to the goal line, and they're like, yeah, you know, we'll have something that we wouldn't really do in the regular season here because it's preseason. That didn't really bother me. They were efficient. I just want to see that kind of thing again from that starting offense that everybody's going to be out there when you have a quarterback and you're relying on him because you're paying him so much money to be the pilot of the offense who can really drive that thing. You just want to see him be able to be efficient, go down the field and score a touchdown and then get off. Show me something. The next Austin Eckler, Nick Sirianni, the coach Mm -hmm. of the Eagles mentioned last night that Eckler earned his spot on the roster In the final preseason game, 2017, Chargers 49ers. He had a big performance. It got him a job, and the rest is history. There will be guys, potentially, who make the team and then become guys we're talking about all the time. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. See you Monday.